Welcome to a special edition of We Geek Podcast. Uh, my name is Logan. Uh, not with me this hour is Adam. Uh, we're doing kind of a an election week off and on special here. This is the the second half of our uh, of our uh, special limited edition run this week. Uh, wanted to take this opportunity to introduce a buddy of mine. Um, I knew him when I did Brain Bowl back in Bradenton when I lived down in Florida, and uh, we thought with the the rise of of MMA in particular and UFC in the public consciousness, we'd bring on uh, somebody I knew who had a much better understanding than than Adam and I do, and uh, and I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, his name is Michael Moore Jr. and I'm gonna go ahead and let him introduce himself and welcome him to the show. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing fantastic, Logan. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm Michael Moore Jr. as uh, as you stated. Uh, I'm the fight geek, and uh, I've been I've been watching the sport uh, since middle school. Uh, I'm now 27 years old, so it's uh, it's been a little bit. Um, you know, like many people, I grew up uh, fascinated by you know by wrestling, and uh, I uh, was always really interested in boxing as well. And uh, you know, boxing kind of lacked the the theatrics that uh you know the wwe or the wwf back then i guess uh you know had and uh when i discovered mixed martial arts it, it kind of had everything i loved about both worlds and uh i just kind of was drawn to that and uh what really fascinated me about it was just all of the things that boxing had that just didn't work in, in mma or would work to a lesser degree um and it was just really fascinating discovering that world uh you know, I've been training off and on, uh, you know, since around middle school, uh, early high school years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy with an obsession of all things combat sports, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of your Snapchat stories where you I mean, I've seen you you break these things down like I, you know, I, I can I can watch and, and join in with the rest of the crowd of just like, oh, that worked. That didn't work. But I've seen I've seen some of the sheets that you've posted, man. That's 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 an impressive level of analysis. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I refer to myself as the fight geek. And the reason I, you know, I call myself that is because people are always like, Mike, you are such a nerd. <laughs> uh, and, and it's it's funny because, I, I you know. I, I am a geek. That's that's why I think it's pretty fitting. Uh, you know, I'm on I'm on this podcast right now. Um, but I geek out about fighting, man. I mean, it, it really sounds strange to say that. But, you know, fighting is just high level problem solving with, you know, uh, with with really, really high stakes. And, uh, you know, I just I love that aspect of it. I really do geek out about it. Excellent. Excellent. So um, what's, you know, for for someone like me who's who's probably emblematic of of a large chunk of 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 say a standard UFC audience what are what are a lot of common misconceptions that you might want to dispel like what do you hear a lot of people say that just really grates on you because it's not it's either not not accurate enough or it's just so wildly off the mark oh yeah absolutely I mean there are a ton of those uh MMA is a sport that is kind of just bred in a time of misconception or, or just bred in a, in a, in an environment that, you know, uh, has, has led to misconception about, about the sport. Um, obviously, uh, it hasn't been looked on too favorably for a long time and it's now starting to finally gain ground. Um, 
really grinds my gears to hear things like, you know, it has no rules or, you know, just portraying, portraying it in, in this like terribly savage way. Um, it, it really bothers me to hear things like, oh, they're, you know, rolling, they're rolling on top of each other on the ground. That's not fighting or, you know, oh, those kicks wouldn't work on me because, you know, for, you know, insert whatever random reason that doesn't actually make sense at all. Um, <laughs> and, and it really bothers me to, to think of it in some sort of way that is inherently more violent than many of the other sports that are really commonly accepted in our culture. Uh, you know, there, there have been uh, a fair amount of uh, scientific studies that have looked into, you know, the brain trauma um, in mixed martial arts, uh, comparing it to boxing and football. And, uh, you know, the majority of those studies have shown it to be, you know, less, if anything. Um, so to portray it in this way that is just 100 percent more violent than some of the other things that we enjoy in our culture, uh, it, it bothers me a bit. Interesting. I had I had heard um, I'd heard the uh, argument made one time that it's actually it's actually safer in a sense compared to boxing because of the, the 10 count rule in boxing. Yeah, that's that's a big one. I mean, the 10 count rule allows you to recover when in a real fight you would not be able to recover. I mean, it, it essentially, you know, in the right situation can allow you to almost get completely knocked out and, uh, you know, for your brain to temporarily recover, uh, which is not good because everything they're finding out about, you know, CTE, the chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy, um, you know, that the famous, you know, Will Smith concussion movie was all about. Um, what they're finding out about, you know, uh, things like that are that these micro concussions, these micro impacts are really some of the causative agents uh, with long term brain injury. So, yeah, the standing 10 count is, you know, it's it's a problem. Yeah. Um, so let me see. Um, tell me about the uh, the differences in some of the promotions. You know, I see the the two main ones are 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 what is it UFC and, and Bellator that's correct okay and what's what's the distinction between the two yeah um so you know obviously the UFC has been around for a lot longer um it has a much more rich history um if I had to pin it down to one thing it'd be I think Bellator is a little more I think Bellator is going a little more the WWE route if that makes sense um they seem to be all about flash and entertainment right now i don't think they are necessarily looking to put on the most legitimate fights all of the time and that's not to say there aren't legitimate fights because there are some there's some great fights uh in, in bellator uh you know on november 19th uh at bellator 165 in san jose california they're doing michael chandler versus benson henderson for the lightweight title that's that's going to be a phenomenal uh phenomenal fight um but then on the same card you have uh Kevin Ferguson Jr., a.k.a. Baby Slice, uh, you know, the son of the infamous and late Kimbo Slice, uh, making his pro MMA debut, um, which I certainly don't have a problem with that. I'm, I'm going to absolutely tune in. But, you know, it is a guy that is making his professional debut and, and is going to be fighting in one of the major MMA organizations. Now, at the same time, you know, we saw recently with CM Punk uh, doing a kind of similar thing in the UFC. So that's not to say that the UFC doesn't do that. And the UFC is leaning more and more towards, you know, these sensational fights rather than, you know, fights that abide strictly by the rankings. But uh, I think we've seen a little bit more of that in Bellator fights like Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie. And they're both, you know, in their damn fifties. It's, uh, you know, 
a little more flash, maybe a bit less substance. Right, right. And that's, but I, it, it kind of speaks to, to the, the kind of the ever-present struggle of, of business versus integrity, doesn't it? it? It can. It depends on what side of the fence you stand on. Um, you know, there's this constant, um, there's this constant struggle in MMA that I think is actually really coming to a head right now um, with the introduction of people like Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey that have really just brought a level of star power that mixed martial arts has never seen before. Um, and I think we're, we're living in the era of what, you know, we refer to as the money fight where, you know, money matters more than the rankings. And so there's this constant sort of existential struggle in uh, mixed martial arts, uh, that's going on right now about where you draw the line between entertainment and sports. You know, is this, something that we're trying to take in the direction of like in you know like the nfl or is this you know going to be a wwe type model and you know it depends on what you're into and what you look you know what your long-term vision of the sport is as to what you're going to consider as the right answer but uh that's a big uh sort of philosophical question that uh mma is looking at right now right and didn't uh UFC was recently purchased, wasn't it? Do you, um, is that going? Do you think that'll have any kind of impact on on where this goes? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have huge impacts. Where those impacts will, you know, will ultimately lead us, I think, is as a question that no one can answer for certain. Um, it was uh, purchased by uh, William Morris Endeavor, uh, IMG. Uh, the CEO of the UFC uh, was uh, Lorenzo Fertitta. It's now Ari Emanuel. Um, uh, for those that aren't familiar with Ari Emanuel, uh, you should check out the movie Entourage. Uh, that movie's actually about him. Um, uh, it uh, featured Ronda Rousey, um, and uh, he's he's played, uh, and his his character is actually called Ari Gold in that, and he's every bit as hot-headed and ridiculous as Dana White is, if not more so. But um, WME is a talent agency. They're the uh, team that actually manages people like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, um, and Ronda Rousey. Uh, as a matter of fact. So, you know, their background is all about creating star power. And I think that the most likely scenario, um, you know, obviously $4 billion is a hell of an investment, um, the biggest purchase in all of sports. Um, I think I think we are likely to see a trend in, in that direction. I, I think we're going to get a little more circus and, you know, a little less legitimacy, perhaps. And does they, that... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that they've got to make the money back. You know, that that's pretty much what it comes down to. Right. And uh, so do you think that's going to have any impact on the on any of the non pay-per-view events like the the I know they do a, occasionally they do like UFC on FS1 and things like that. Do you think that's do you think that's going to impact the quality of those matches in in some way, shape or form? And is that going to perhaps uh, influence the the mindset of the fighters there. Um, perhaps I, I think that you are starting to see fighters um, recognizing this trend and and you know trying to capitalize on it. Um, for instance, uh, Tyron Woodley uh, recently uh, became the UFC welterweight champion of the world. He's actually going to defend that belt at UFC 205. Uh, against uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but uh, you know he just got the belt and. Uh, Wonder Boy was the clear number one contender, has been just wiping people out in the division 
Um, and uh, Wonderboy also doubles in, as an analyst for FS1. So after the fight, he asked Woodley, you're going to give me my title shot? And Woodley actually told him no on the spot. He was like, nah, you know, I think I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to look into fighting uh, GSP or Nick Diaz. And it was like, what? What? You know, like GSP's retired and hasn't fought since 2013. <laughs> so, I mean, granted, you could easily justify him walking back in to a title shot. I mean, he retired as a champ, which has never been done before. So, you know, that that is what it is. But Nick Diaz, Nick Diaz hasn't he's he, he's been even almost less active than GSP. He hasn't even been retired, but with you know, with suspensions and and whatnot, he's barely fought more than GSP has as of late. And he hasn't won a fight at welterweight since I mean I, I can't remember but I mean, at least 2012. I can't remember whenever the BJ Penn fight happened. Uh, you know, that's that's his last win at welterweight. It's been a long time, but those are the money fights, man. Those are the big names that'll sell pay-per-views. And uh, yeah, I think on these fight nights, we're more likely to see uh, young prospects, uh, you know, talented up-and-comers, people that are good but don't have the name recognition. I think they're going to start trying to use uh, that avenue to build star power and then capitalize on that in the form of pay-per-view purchases down the road. So you th- do you think that's going to start taking the, in a sense, kind of taking the pit the place of prelims maybe? Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. I mean, I don't, I don't think prelims will ever go away because they've got to, I mean, they've, they've got to make an event out of things. They've got to, they've got to make sure the card is, is long enough and is going to be able to occupy the venue uh, for a certain period of time. But I think that I think that um, you could you could get to a point where you know fight nights are, are more the quality of like your average prelim. Um, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I, I don't I don't I don't suspect that that will happen. But uh, it's it's hard to say. Interesting. Uh, you mentioned suspensions earlier, and that's that seems like it's kind of been the word of the year for <laughs> for one reason or another. Can you talk through? Uh, maybe some of the bigger name suspensions, even if they've been repealed, and and the just the seeming to someone like me, it just seemed like this revolving door of like they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out, and and maybe go over the difference between the the classifications of substances because some of these, a lot of these these rules and repeals and everything, they get a little fuzzy to me. Yeah, it's it's fuzzy to everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a, a great observation. Um, this is one of the things that uh, is currently in a, in a state of evolution. Uh, you know, mixed martial arts has really really changed specifically in the UFC because of that in the last uh, in the last year or two. Um, so the UFC um, ended up uh, hiring a third party uh, USADA um, who. It's basically it's it's the best in the business when it comes to drug testing. Um, the head of operation for their drug testing is uh, Jeff Nowitzki, who is the guy who 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 nabbed Lance Armstrong. He's basically the reason that I mean Armstrong never failed a drug test, but he's the guy that uh, you know prosecuted him and uh, um, you know basically led to that confession. Um, he also went after Barry Bonds uh, and was unsuccessful. But, you know, we're talking about a big, big name in the uh, in the anti-doping world. And uh, so they brought them in as a third party. And they basically they they now have this 24 hour a day 
you know, 365 a year uh, policy where you can get tested at any point in time. It's completely random. Everyone will get randomly tested throughout the course of a year. Um, it is the most extensive drug testing procedure in all of sports, and that includes the Olympics. I mean, it is crazy. Um, and whether or not that's a good thing is uh, is a matter for debate in itself because the the lack of privacy that uh, any of these fighters are subjected to in order to catch these cheaters is it's actually kind of astounding, um, especially for what some of them are getting paid. You know, if you're Conor McGregor, hell yeah, bring the people in whenever you know you're making you're making bank. But for the guys that are you know making six thousand a show and six thousand a win in their you know first UFC fight, you're you know some guy's gonna come knock on my door at six a.m. and you know tell me to tell me to, you know, pee in a, in a bottle for them. That's, that's getting kind of crazy. But, um, but yeah, so we've had all these suspensions because of that. Um, John Jones, obviously, you know, being the most famous one this year, um, he actually, uh, as of today, uh, you know, he, he just, uh, he actually just, uh, ended up getting suspended for a year. Um, he'll be back, uh, or he'll be able to, to fight again on uh, July 7th, 2017. Um, yeah, all these people are getting suspended and, you know, it can be for the most minute substance sometimes. They have this huge, huge, huge list of banned substances that you can find on their website. It's so hard to keep track of. Um, you, you basically have to trust nothing that you put in your body without, you know, sending it to them to test or unless you're 100% sure of the ingredients uh, uh, that are going into it. Um, you know, recreational drugs, as long as they're um, out of competition are okay. If you get nabbed for like cocaine and you're three months away from your fight, you're not going to get suspended. But the night of the fight, you're, you know, you're going to get a minor suspension most likely for that. Uh, if you test for something like EPO or steroids or human growth hormone, you're going to get nabbed with a, a, a huge suspension, uh, no matter what time it is. So that basically is the difference, uh, in, in the most blanket way. It's, I'll tell you though, it's incredibly difficult to keep track of interesting interesting and it's i it it it, that always kind of fascinated me because i keep forgetting about uh, just the sheer volume of of fitness products out there and that's that that to me because that to me was never a market that i i paid any attention to but seeing you know where because i i remember hearing something about you know the the list being that ridiculous and i thought where'd all these things come from and it's it's just it seems like the the amount of of product testing that they would have to do to determine what what is and isn't acceptable would have to be just equally as insane wouldn't it yeah i mean uh you know i'm i'm not an expert in this field uh and it would literally take an expert in this field to uh you know describe this situation in the most you know eloquent manner because it it, it is so insane um, to even think about how you go about managing that. But yeah, you have to have a team of people, man. You have to, you have to really know what you're putting in your body and keep track of that. I, I mean, I, I can tell you, you know, just in my like high school athletic career and, you know, my, you know, very minor by comparison, martial arts background, um, you know, I've gotten stuff at GNC that I would probably fail for, you know, like wow. it's crazy. I mean, that being said, um, it's tough to draw the line because, you know, there are clearly instances where people are taking tainted substances or substances that have something in them that they didn't realize. But probably most of the time, or at least a lot of the time, you know, you're, you're getting these, these, uh, you know, these excuses or these, these, uh, 
kind of difficult to le- to believe uh, defenses. You know, like John Jones, um, you know, he failed for uh, an anti-estrogen uh, or basically an estrogen blocker, um, which is generally used when you cycle off of anabolic steroids um, in order to you know, to mask the effects of, uh, you know, the estrogen when you, when you go off them, when you go off cycle. Um, and you know, his, his defense, uh, which ended up getting him labeled, not a cheater by the commission, the, the USADA was basically like, we believe that you didn't take this on purpose, but you're still getting a year suspension. Cause that's kind of, you know, that's, that's, you still got to get penalized for it. Um, but you know, his, his defense was, you know, basically that it w- it was a, uh, sexual enhancement, uh, product. And, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, Hey, it held up in, you know, the arbitration process, but that's about as, you know, that's about as, uh, uh, trustworthy as Anderson Silva's knockoff Cialis, uh, you know, defense that, uh, you know, got him suspended for two years, uh, after he was coming off that horrible leg injury, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about that. And it's and it's and it's interesting that you would you would see these guys who who would be held up kind of as the epitome of of macho would have to say, oh no, no, I I needed this for I needed this for enhancement, like just that the 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 seeming hypocrisy there always kind of struck me. Yeah, it it is funny. Um, you know, there is an epidemic in the sport uh, right before this, ha- right before USADA went into effect. Basically, uh, you know, or r- roughly, there there's a little bit of time in between, but you can kind of see the line- the linear progression from one to the other. Um, but uh, we had uh, testosterone replacement therapy was just all over the sport. Um, uh, you know, just just a couple years ago, and uh, you know, you you had to think like, wow, all of these fighters have low low t counts like what what is up with that you know these are these are the baddest dudes on the planet man like they i mean come on man like the the ufc heavyweight champion is you know going to beat like any other any other person on the planet in a in a hand-to-hand combat situation uh you know he has low testosterone really you know uh but at the same time you know one of the one of the things that doctors or scientists have found to cause low testosterone is traumatic brain injury. So it's it's one of those things like I'm kind of making light of it and making fun of it right now, but in some of these cases it's it's probably legitimate. Uh, in most of them it absolutely is not and and was a way to get an edge. But in some cases man, you know, that getting hit in the getting hit in the face, it hurts your brain and it it can really damage your endocrine system. So it, it's tough to say. It's just another thing where you know, where do you draw the line? Right. And there's there. Do you do you see any actual combat rules changing? I remember you, you'll be able to, to bring this bring this up more than I would. There was a I forget the, the fight. What a, a, a couple or a few months ago with the uh, where uh, someone's knee strike almost basically caved his opponent's skull in. Which which fight was that? Yeah, that was a uh, Michael Venom Page versus uh, uh, Evangelista uh, Cyborg uh, Santos, uh, uh, male cyborg, not to be confused with the the person that everyone accuses Ronda Rousey of ducking, um, her uh, her ex husband. Um, yeah, he he got his skull just caved. I mean, literally fractured. Um, he had to undergo major surgery. 
there are going to be some rule changes in the future. There's actually um, some rule changes going into effect uh, in July. I mean, in, excuse me, in January. Um, I wish, you know, I wish I had them all in front of me, but just off the top of my head, um, you know, probably the major thing that is going to be changed is uh, there's a big thing right now where you you can't kick a downed opponent in the head, um, you know, and and that's that's great and all. Obviously, it, that that rule is there for a reason. But um, people really play the game with that. They make it into a very unrealistic situation where they will, you know, be like in a, a transitionary position where like they're standing up, up against the fence or something, and they'll they'll put their the their fingertips down on the ground, just touching, just touching the ground barely with their fingertips, so that you can't knee them in the face. And it's like, you know, that's not fighting. Like if you did that in a real fight, like you would get hurt badly. Um, and, and so uh, there's a rule change going into effect with um, uh, now um, it's going to be you have to have uh, God, what is it? You have to have uh, I'm trying to remember the exact points of contact, but essentially um, it's going to make it so that uh, you can't you have to have your palm pressed flat to the ground if you're going to do that. I think you have. I think you might have to have even have uh, both both palms pre pressed flat to the ground um, or have like both knees down. Uh, I, I can't remember the rule change exactly, but that's going to dramatically change how some fights play out. Um, and, uh, you know, th that that's just going to be a really interesting scenario. Also, um, uh, 10, eight rounds, the criteria for 10, eight, 10, eight rounds being scored is going to change, which is really going to affect how how fights are judged, because right now. Right now, basically, if you win a round, it's almost always going to be a 10-9 round, but not all rounds are really equal, or at least they, they shouldn't be. Um, you know, not every round, you know, if you barely squeak by your opponent in one round, but you destroy your opponent in the other round, that really shouldn't be equal. And uh, in the future, uh, you know, that's that's going to that's going to happen. So they're going to they're, they're going to start looking more at 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 a dominant performance being uh being weighted more heavily yeah absolutely interesting interesting um i'm trying to think we got a, a couple minutes left in this first segment so i don't want to get into anything uh real deep but um a quick uh there was something uh, that that kind of confused me a lot we go back to the the suspensions and the banned substances what yeah. was the deal with the with the uh lesnar hunt match the, what was that that fight? What was the fallout from that? Because that that just seemed like a whirlwind of nobody knows what's going on to me. Yeah, no one no one really knows. Still, um, you know, <laughs> uh, Lesnar tested positive for um, it starts with a C, but it it's like God, I can't remember. if I if I try to say it, I'm gonna horribly mispronounce it because I'm going off memory. But it's basically um, it is also an anti estrogen. Um, it's an estrogen blocker, um, and um, you know, he has a defense lined up, um, and that process is going to play out. But these things are, are are not very transparent until they until they actually happen. Like the John Jones hearing got postponed so many times, um, and then this verdict was kind of given really sudden. Um, you know, the way USADA handles its business, um, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with that. I I personally. I personally don't see Lesnar fighting again, so I'm not sure that it's really going to matter other than 
I mean, I guess if they decided to fine him, but they, I mean, they're, they don't really have any jurisdiction over Lesnar if he doesn't apply for a fight license. Like, I don't know how they're going to collect that. Um, I mean, just because he, I mean, he's getting up there in age and he has a really stable career with the WWE. And he already said it was a one-off. I mean, a lot of people were reading into it and thinking, I mean, wow, he, he did really well against Mark Hunt. So, you know, maybe he would, you know, look to give it another title run. But, you know, he's not getting any younger. And this is going to, you know, th- this could be a serious setback if he did want to get back in, into the cage. So uh, I don't know how this is going to play out. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, well, we are going to take our first break here. Uh, again, you're listening to a, a very special The Fight Geek edition of We Geek Podcast <laughs> uh, right here on the N.FM, and we'll see you all in a minute. Welcome back to a special co-op podcast of The Fight Geek on We Geek Podcast here on the N.FM. Um, I wanted something that was always interesting to me was kind of the genesis of Bellator. Can you uh, can you give me a little background, like sort of like a brief, like a very brief, like Cliff Notes history of it, if you can? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Bellator has been around for a while. Um, it originally uh, was a tournament format, um, kind of similar to the old school UFCs, except for it wasn't a single night tournament. It would it would basically uh, go in season. So they would actually have like season one and then they'd have like a lightweight tournament and a middleweight tournament or something and then you know they'd have season two and you know they'd have more tournaments um and the winner of each tournament would get the next title shot at uh you know at 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 whoever whoever is the champion of that division um you know so it actually the way it started was the most legitimate in a way because it was 100 percent merit-based 100 percent like far more so than the ufc has ever been or at least since you know since the ufc's inception or its early days where it was tournament based so um uh back then uh you know the the uh president was bjorn repney um who didn't have a great reputation and uh you know that all ultimately uh caused them to look away and acquire um strike forces old president scott coker scott coker had worked with the UFC after the UFC absorbed strike force, um, and had to sign a non-compete, uh, you know, uh, clause. Uh, but after that expired and they heard he was on the market, they fired Bjorn Rebney and, uh, gobbled up Scott Coper real, real quick. And, uh, now he's running the show and he has taken it in this completely new direction. And, uh, you know, it is a Viacom owned entity. Um, so they have deep, deep pockets and, uh, Basically, when the UFC jumped ship from Spike over to uh, Fox, the Fox network, uh, Spike was like, man, we built you. We will, you know, we we can end you, too. You know, and they basically took credit for all the UFC. And Dana White's like, you didn't build anything, man. You know, like, (laughs) what are you talking about? And so Spike said, challenge accepted. And, uh, you know, Bellator formed and uh, uh, or really Bellator, you know, landed the Spike deal. I should say they didn't they didn't start on Spike. Um and uh you know they they've been competing ever since and now you know bellator's got the best ratings it's ever had under scott coker uh so you know this new direction is at least working in the short term interesting interesting because i used to i know they used to do a lot of cross promotion uh with tna when it was still on spike and i think that was that was the first time that i had had heard anything about it um and i didn't i didn't know uh it, it was interesting you said they're they're 
ratings have gone up are they i i i know it's 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 a little presumptuous to to say anything is competition for something as as mammoth as as ufc but it 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 does kind of there's a there's a bit of a, a smacking of the the old school monday night war with this with wwe and wcw with wcw being owned by ted turner and you talked about uh bellator being viacom owned and having the deep yeah. pockets and anything do you think there's is is there a chance that this could develop in that kind of fashion or or is it is, is it just going are there, is it always going to be like an a team and a b team in a sense yeah i, I love uh i love that you compared it to uh you know the, the monday night wars uh you know because i mean I, I I don't you know I don't tend to follow uh, wrestling these days. Um, uh, I mean I'm I'm just you know I, I'm too obsessed with combat sports to really follow much of anything else, um, <laughs> realistically. But um, uh, but when I was a kid growing up, you know the Monday Night Wars were uh, were the thing, you know, and uh, you know when I was really really young, you know Bill Goldberg was kind of like the the MMA fighter to me, you know, I mean, and his whole character is based off MMA. I mean, with the, with the MMA gloves and, and everything, um, you know, cause he's been a fan of the sport since, you know, since that time, um, you know, so it, it's, it's kind of a throwback that you say that, um, I don't necessarily think that anyone knows for sure. I don't know that anyone can tell, but I will tell you this, um, you know, how, how this whole thing's going to play out. Um, is going to unfold in the next couple of years and with the there there's a growing unrest in the ufc um you know at, at one end of the spectrum you have people like conor mcgregor that are just taking home the most massive paydays in, in mma history by far um and the ufc is profiting like never before i mean the pay-per-views this year are just insane this is a rec- record-breaking year but for the people at the bottom of the barrel um, you know, there's no fighters union. And that means that these people at the bottom are barely scraping by because the UFC can basically do whatever they want because they're, they have been close to monopoly status, uh, you know, before the rise of Bellator. Um, and with this Reebok deal, which now, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't let you wear your own sponsors to the cage. You have to wear this Reebok uniform, which pays you minuscule amounts compared to what most people were raking in um you know in the past via sponsorships you know we're talking about people that had six figure paydays from sponsorships that are now making like eight thousand dollars per per fight uh in sponsorship money from reebok you know in addition to whatever their purse is but i mean that's a tremendous difference uh and then add in usada um, which is great for cleaning up the sport, but it's really, it, let's face it, it's really inconvenient for fighters. Even if you're not on something, that's just like really inconvenient. And if you are on something, then it's super inconvenient because it could end your career. <laughs> you know, but so people are looking more and more at this, you know, free agent status, whereas before you would automatically sign anything the UFC offered you. You know, if people, if, if Dana White walked in and said, hey, we got a contract extension for you. How about four more fights? You know, you you would sign that thing. No no questions asked. Uh, you know, maybe if you had a little leveraging power, you would try and exercise that. Um, but nowadays, people are uh, more and more. People are going, hey, you know, we've got another option out there. Let's let's end this contract. Let's fight to the end of this contract. Let's test the test the market and let's see how this thing plays out. And uh, more and more, you're getting these big free agency signings by Bellator. And, uh, you know, 
I don't know if that's ever going to, you know, end up with with it no longer being a a, a and B team uh, type scenario, but definitely something is shifting. Uh, you know, at the very top of the UFC, it's better than it has ever been before. But I think more and more we're going to see, uh, you know, these minor stars, these these people that can headline fight nights that are really legitimate talents uh, getting signed to Bellator. And it's going to really be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Interesting. I, you, you mentioned a word in there that I wanted to come back to, and that was union. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you do you ever see that becoming anything close to a reality? Yeah, I think it's going to happen, man. Really? Uh, I, I don't know when and I don't know how, but just this growing unrest. I mean, it's it's something I've never seen in, in MMA before. It's always been talked about, um, but, man, the company sold for $4 billion, and there are people getting paid like ten grand on some cards. you know. And, and don't get me wrong, that's not everyone's situation. Some people are very you know, m- making bank. Some people are making good money, but... Um, it's not anything close to the the boxing uh, the boxing split, you know. Um, somebody of Conor McGregor status, even, um, you know, in in MMA, he's he's making bank. We don't know how much he's making because the UFC is a private company and we can't see their disclosed purses overall. Um, you know, we just see what they report to the Nevada Athletic Commissions, which is usually a fraction of what their actual pay is, especially in terms of these top performers because they get pay per view points. Um, you know, for purchases and stuff, and that that kind of stuff will never ever get disclosed. So we don't know how much Connor's making, but what we do know is it would be significantly higher in boxing. Um, with you know, if, if you equate his drawing power, um, and and just move him over to boxing and assume that he has the exact same amount of star power there, um, which is not too far fetched, um, he would make a tremendous amount more because the way the the purse is being split between the promotion and the fighter is much, much more equal. A lot of times you're seeing closer to things like a 50-50 split. Um, in a lot of major sports, it's closer to a 50-50 split, where, where in the UFC we have no idea what the actual split is, but it's probably less than 20% in uh, most people's estimations. So um, I think that is resulting in disgruntled employees or not even employees, because that's the the best kept secret in, in all of you know the UFC is that these guys are independent contractors. They're not even given employee status. And while they do have things like you know health insurance uh, or not really health insurance, fight insurance, medical insurance for when you're in when you're in training camp and stuff like that. While you do have that, you don't have the benefits the, of a full time employee. And uh, I think I think we're gonna see a union pop up, man. I just. I don't know when it's going to happen, but that four billion dollar mark has some people, has some people's attention, man. It it really does. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I knew I knew as soon as you as soon as you 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 backed on employees, you where you were going because that's 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 been the biggest bone of contention with with professional wrestling companies is they're all quote unquote independent contractors, and that's been that's 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 why I'm I'm I may be on the other side of of this in a sense. Because there's anytime there's been union talk on on the you know the more what's the Survivor Series slogan the more fantasy warfare side of things, mm-hmm. it's 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 been crushed and yeah. and mercilessly. Now I know it's two it it is two different worlds essentially, but I you know just in terms of 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 seeing a weak precedent of sorts. But there's you know it is a whole other 
other ball game. Yeah, now, there are two organizations that are trying to make that happen right now, and uh, you know, I think this is you know to equate it to to something else. I think it's exactly like the whole adjunct professor thing that you see play out in universities right now. This is like the new way to like stifle. Uh, you know what what you can do with your employees uh, you know it's it's a really weird thing but um you know I think you see things like George st. Pierre for instance he is a very disgruntled independent contractor right now um, that has not been able to come to terms with the UFC and you know brought in a big uh, high-powered lawyer to you know get him out of his contract all it takes is you know a few fighters that are willing to speak up for themselves and one or two big names. You know, it's going to take a GSP, a Ronda Rousey, or a Conor McGregor to lead that charge. You know, you get Conor McGregor on board, it's going to happen. You know, but that's a big if because the people at the top are usually the most satisfied, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, GSP though, he's pretty disgruntled right now, and and you know that that could be a possibility um, if they don't come to terms eventually. Uh, and even, you know, some more minor guys like uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he recently said he wouldn't mind being the face of a, a fighter's union. And uh, while he's, you know, not nearly, uh, not even close to as popular as any of the aforementioned people, um, you know, it only it only takes, a, you know, a handful of people like that, um, you know, with a, a minor supporting cast uh, of a little more volume to uh, potentially make that happen. It's not going to be easy, and we've been talking about it for years, and it hasn't happened, so we'll, we'll have to see. But I, I just feel I, – I don't know. I just feel it. I feel like it's going to come. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Pro- Probably many years from now, though. Right. <laughs> these, these, these things always always take a lot more time than, than anybody thinks they, they could. But uh, yeah. uh, there, was, there was something else I wanted to ask. Um, overall quality – of events um and i know it's going to vary from from show to show do you see and and let's talk uh, we'll talk in terms of sport and in terms of entertainment um who do you think puts on the the better cards ufc or bellator uh it's for me it's definitely the ufc and and it's, it's not even close at this point um you know bellator has stuff that i enjoy um like i said bellator 165 i'm going to definitely enjoy even though i probably won't be watching it live because uh there's a, a great boxing match uh you know that that night that i'll probably be watching instead uh sergey kovalev versus andre ward um but you know bellator puts on some good cards but they've, they've just got a little too much i don't know it's it's just a it's a little too theatric for me um and and not enough not enough uh you know substance to it i know i've already said that a few times but it really is the way i feel um you know i, I watched bellator this past weekend and there was just like bad promos with tito ortiz and chael sonnen uh with tito ortiz with chael sonnen you know telling tito that his zipper is down and then tito telling chael that uh he didn't know he was gay why was he looking at his crotch only he spelled it c-r-o-u-c-h so you know like crouch like that that sounds like a cool word that i think we should all adopt uh you know uh, for tito's sake but uh you know it's like what what am i watching dude did tito really use like a homophobic slur to try and cut up a, a promo right now like what is this um and then you know we got fights like kimbo slice versus uh dada 5000 um over in bellator uh, 
don't get me wrong i love kimbo rest in peace uh you know he he was he was a fighter's fighter but you know he was never world class and and dada 5000 is i mean the the guy literally like went into cardiac arrest after that fight that fight should have never happened like those people should not have dada should not have gotten a license I, i can't believe that he was headlining a card um or actually, it was the co-main event that was on the Shamrock Gracie card, I believe. Um, but you know, but me- meanwhile, in the UFC, we've got we've got UFC 205 coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, this Saturday, it's the best card I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I mean, me, and I've seen a lot of great, a lot of great fight cards, but yeah, I mean, let we've me, got uh, three title fights. Let me uh, I mean, let me go ahead. It's insane. Yeah, let me go ahead and jump in there real quick. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we no, uh, you're fine. we got. Uh, take a quick break and then we'll get into I wanted to to do the to break down the card in the last segment anyway so it works out perfectly cool. but uh, again you're listening to a we geek podcast uh, co-op podcast with the fight geek right here on the n.fm and we'll see you all in a minute welcome back to a special co-op edition of we geek podcast and the fight geek here on the n.fm and uh, before the break we talked about uh, about UFC 205 coming up so go ahead give us the give us the breakdown and and any important history we need to know for for this card you you seem you seem extra hyped about this one yeah man i mean what what's not to love about this card uh we got ufc making its much anticipated debut in madison square garden uh which holds some of the richest boxing history uh in the sport um the ufc uh, professional mixed martial arts was banned in new york um, many, many years ago. Um, and this is the UFC's first time in New York city. And, uh, this is, this is big. It's its debut show. It's inaugural show. And, uh, you know, they're doing it, they're doing it the right way. This is the most stacked card I've ever seen. Uh, we've got three title fights, uh, Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez, uh, at the top of the card. Uh, this is Conor McGregor's first fight at lightweight. He's, uh, the 145 or featherweight champion. He's going up in weight, uh, to take on the lightweight champion at 155 pounds, Eddie Alvarez. And uh, he is attempting to do something that no man has done in UFC history. He's attempting to hold two UFC titles at the same time in two different weight classes. Uh, to try and do that simultaneously has only been attempted once uh, at UFC 94, I want to say. Uh, BJ Penn moved up in weight to take on George St. Pierre and failed in his attempt to get that belt. Conor McGregor is going to give it a shot. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is something, someone that people may not uh, know as casuals, but he he's an amazing fighter, and uh, that that's just going to be an insane matchup. Excellent, excellent. So that's that's potential history and more, and anything like that is just more money in in McGregor's pocket. It's another chip he can. It, it, it's another card he can play and say oh yeah remember remember when i did this so, yeah i mean the man already holds uh you know uh the, the two highest uh grossing pay-per-views of all time the, the two biggest pay-per-view buys and his two fights against uh, nate diaz this one it's going to be interesting to see how it does pay-per-view wise it's it's going to absolutely kill it um whether or not it will break the two records mcgregor previously owns is really the only question and <laughs> the craziest thing is you know mcgregor sells out any pay-per-view that he's going to be on but 
this card is stacked. I mean, we've got two other title fights that no one's even talking about. We got Tyron Woodley making his first title defense against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Woodley has a bomb of a right hand, and Stephen Thompson is arguably the best striker in all of MMA right now. Um, at least uh, as a karateka, um, he really uh, embraces that style in a way that we haven't seen before. Uh, he's just been running through the division and has been on an absolute tear. Uh, and then, uh, you know, one fight down from that, we have uh, Joanna Jancic defending the uh, 115 strawweight uh, title uh, against uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz, um, two of Poland's finest, uh, both undefeated, uh, both uh, striking practitioners. Um, if Stephen Wonderboy Thompson or Conor McGregor aren't the two best strikers in MMA, it might be Joanna. I mean, they're they're all up there. They're just absolutely elite strikers. Uh, Joanna is a multiple, uh, multiple-time Muay Thai champion, uh, and that fight is just going to be insane. Excellent, excellent. Always, always good to 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 get a, a better breakdown than just oh, this looks good. Like that's what, that's that's how how I know most of my discussions go. Um, talk to me about the undercard. What what jumps out at you? What are you really looking forward to there? Yeah. So. Um... Uh, just on the rest of the main card, we actually have we have a few more fights. So this this card, um, it's going to start at the usual 10 p.m. Uh, time uh, for Eastern time zone, um, but it's going to be ex- the time slot is going to be extended for an hour. So we actually have six fights on the main card. Um, they had to do that. They had to extend the time slot because three title fights means three five round fights. So if they actually all go the five rounds, uh, you know, it's going to really drag out. Uh, so they had to extend the time slot. Uh, we have Chris Weidman taking on uh, Yoel Romero. Uh, Chris Weidman is a former champion. He's the man to dethrone Anderson Silva uh, back when Anderson Silva was a god. Uh, Yoel Romero is uh, an Olympic silver medalist uh, wrestler, and he is just a freak of nature. The guy's built like Adonis. Um, I mean, he's just crazy impressive, uh, just this hulkish cuban monster of a man and that fight's going to be amazing weidman was actually one of the the main uh sort of avenues uh one of the one of the best ambassadors uh for for new york uh he's one of the guys that really helped it uh come to fruition from a fighter's uh perspective then we got uh kelvin gastelum uh, taking on a guy we were talking about earlier uh donald cowboy cerrone Cerrone's been on a tear at uh, welterweight um this is a new division for him and he's just looked spectacular and uh, if you've never seen Cowboy fight, he is he is the show. I mean, he is just balls to the walls, does whatever he wants, says whatever he wants, and really comes to scrap every single time. Uh, he's always going to put on a, a fight and a performance that you can respect and love. Uh, so that's going to be amazing. And then, uh, you know, the first fight on the main card is the former champion Misha Tate uh, uh, fighting Raquel Pennington. Uh, I mean, come on, Misha Tate, who, you know, had an amazing uh, fight series with Ronda Rousey in which she dropped two fights to her. Uh, You know, Misha Tate, the person who dethroned Holly Holm after Holm was coming off that incredible knockout victory against Ronda. That's the first fight on the main card. I mean, it's just incredible. And the the prelims are almost as good. I mean, it's it's crazy. That's I always love when. You've got to love when when they have to bring something. You know, any any show you always have to have. You, you know, you have to draw. That's business. But but for something like like the first show at the Garden, it had to be huge. It it has to be spectacular. And so I you know that's that's definitely going to be something where if 
if it's if you you see every once in a while there there are some shows where where it does just kind of seem boring and not just in the sense of 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 from not understanding the sport although maybe that is a little part of it but but there there are sometimes where where the matches are just for whatever reason it never seems like it 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 takes off it never seems engaging like like it should be i mean it's a fight they should be interesting kind of by default shouldn't they yeah i mean it's it's funny you say that uh you know that that does happen and even when you have amazing matchups sometimes that still happens anyways uh you know it's it's tough to say like ufc 200 for instance was uh was amazingly stacked was arguably you know the best card of all time on paper um you know before 205 i think 205 definitely trumps that uh for sure but um you know 200 was amazing on paper and uh you know i I didn't dislike the event by any means but it really didn't live up to the hype in my eyes at all um i enjoyed it it was a momentous occasion for for mma but um but you know sometimes sometimes styles make fights and sometimes they don't end up the way you think they will uh you know no matter how much you know that's that's just the way it is sometimes sometimes you think it's going to be a great fight and it doesn't end up being that way um but this card is i mean so promising uh, on, on the undercard we've got frankie edgar taking on jeremy stevens frankie edgar is the former lightweight champion he just fought jose aldo uh for the 145 interim uh title uh and 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 lost but um you know we're talking about a former champion uh rashad evans another former champion taking on uh, a green beret uh and top middleweight uh tim kennedy and then probably the you asked me earlier what fight stands out to me on the undercard without a doubt it's habib Nurmagomedov taking on michael johnson habib Nurmagomedov is the number one contender at lightweight in the ufc lightweight rankings you have the champion eddie alvarez and then the number one ranked is uh habib and uh Habib is 21 and 0, I believe, uh, which is unheard. Of. I mean, that does not happen in MMA almost ever. Uh, he's just had this incredible start to his career, has had six straight UFC uh, victories, and has won 21 overall in his MMA career. He uh, is from Dagestan, and I mean, there, <laughs> he he's most famous perhaps for wrestling a bear when he was a child. Um, there's actually video of that online uh, for any listeners out there that uh, don't believe me. Check it out. Uh, fun times but uh and that's what habib does to every single one of his opponents he is a sambo master and he just takes you down ragdolls you i mean you want to talk about you know uh wrestling uh you know like wwe you know brock lesnar and suplex city dude suplex city is where habib will take you every single time the guy is just a monster um, if he win, most people, or at least I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people consider him to actually be the best lightweight on the planet, uh, perhaps even more so than Eddie Alvarez. Um, the thing that has stopped him from, you know, taking the title has been injuries. He just, he trains so intensely that his, his body just can't handle it sometimes. And he, he keeps having to pull from fights, but if he beats Michael Johnson, he's going to get a title shot. And, uh, you want to look at arguably the worst possible matchup for Conor McGregor in the UFC, you know, within like the the two main weight classes that he, you know, is looking to target. Habib might be the very worst matchup for him. I mean, that guy is going to try and take him down and just strangle him. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Conor can handle that. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that whole drama unfolds. As on the prelims, we could be seeing the guy who's going to take on the winner of Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez. 
Nice, nice. Always, always something to look out for. Well, uh, that's pretty much going to wrap it up here. Um, again, you know where to find us: We Geek Podcast, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the Logan Witt. Uh, the show is at We Geek Podcast. Uh, Adam is at Adam Estep, and I'm going to give Mike a second here uh, to plug your Twitter, and uh, you also have a YouTube channel, correct? Yeah, um, they can find me on Twitter and YouTube at uh, at the Fight Geek, um, and uh, that's that's where I put out most of my content. Um, you know, usually I I share whatever articles I'm I'm working on on Twitter, and uh, you know I, I do a bunch of breakdowns and analyses that are uh, very very in depth on YouTube. So uh, if you if you'd like to check them out, yeah, the Fight Geek. Excellent. Make sure you check Mike out. the 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 depth of the the analysis is is impressive. And we, you know, we we hope that this becomes a, a more frequent thing as, as things go on. We may uh, we may grab you after two o five for some some recap if that sounds good to you. Absolutely, I'd be happy to be back anytime. Uh, all right, excellent. Uh, and and uh, we sign off every show with a quick captain captain. So if that sounds pretty good to you, Mike. Uh, everyone out there, you've been listening to us on the N.FM. Thank you for joining us and captain. Captain. Captain.